Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a horror anthology podcast by Supermersive Radio, with no affiliation with any detective agency, person real or imagined, or the dark forces of Terre. It is not intended for children. New Jersey has a lot, and I mean a lot, of truly awful cities, but Shipton is different. At one point, the governor decided enough was enough and sent in the state troopers to try and take control and tamp down on all of that murdering. We're talking a borderline, full-on police state here for a while. There was a lot of work for guys like old Tom. Like most government projects, it didn't go as planned. The organized criminal element in the area didn't take kindly to the formerly permissive state suddenly muscling in on its territory, and didn't go quietly. One year later, and suddenly it hits the papers that the state police are not only leaving, but the police force is going to be cut down by 70%. Supposedly, the real issue in Shipton wasn't the gangbangers shanking people in the street, but over-policing. Lo and behold, the crime rate drops like crazy, and the governor's a forward-thinking genius. Never mind he only figured this out a year after sending in the state police. And I'm sure the crime rate really has dropped, and it's not just that the skeleton police force stopped caring, and so what if some homeless guy got mauled during the last full moon? I've been watching this place for a while, waiting for the call. World of difference between a meddling detective and a detective with a mission. So why am I telling you all of this? Well, that call came. Here's Control's message. The town of Shipton, Monmouth County, New Jersey, is reporting increased suspected werewolf activity. Animal violence on civilians has been reported by various witnesses. There are reports of wolf maulings and rumors of werewolves have entered public consciousness. Investigate why this is taking place and take appropriate action to prevent civilian casualties. And that's how I ended up on the Amtrak train at 7.30 in the morning. Everybody here looks sickly and pale, like the very idea of going to Shipton was draining the life out of them. Or maybe it was whatever disease was kicking the crap out of America. Wouldn't put it past my rotten luck that it's both. Can a city also be a vampire? I wasn't going at night this time if I could help it, but go figure. It was such a dreary, rainy day that it didn't matter either way. Now, here's that history the common man doesn't know. Shipton has gone through its share of power transfers, but it's been the center of the werewolf mafia since the 70s after they were driven out of Harlem. The werewolves have a claw in the political pot. You you don't seriously believe the state government isn't aware of all of the supernatural stuff, right? And last I heard was involved with the meth business from the outskirts of Albany to Missouri. Yep, Jack's home state. I'm glad he hasn't come across their labs yet. I can't imagine fighting messed-out redneck werewolves. Besides, tearing down long-standing corrupt political institutions and drug empires is past our pay grade. We're just detectives. What isn't past my pay grade is paranatural maulings. 
Now, the werewolves were violent, but they were careful with a capital C, and for them to be mauling people so publicly meant that something very weird must be going on. If nothing else, someone's gone rogue and they haven't stopped him on their own. I bring two small, fully loaded, six-shot revolvers strapped to ankle holsters along with silver bullets. Silver bullets are hard to make, and revolvers are the best way to handle the large caliber needed to keep the soft silver together. I wanted to pack more heat, but it was the most I could smuggle past the metal detectors onto the train and the cars in the shop. A little parting gift from my last case. Of course, I kept the Ring of Dispel on. The gift of Elisha. The ability to see through the veil and see the supernatural as readily as the natural is a powerful advantage. A small lantern and a radio rounded out my gear. Might not be enough to handle what I'd see in Shipton. Believe you me. I got off the train at 9.30am and headed down to the warehouse district right next to the pier. A couple of them were still in use, but the majority were abandoned, and an abandoned warehouse was where I was heading to meet my contact, Philippe Lacroix. I'd known Phil for several years now. In a past case, we'd start at odds with each other before I, shall we say, showed him a way off of the path he was on. He agreed to give me a view on the inner workings of the Shipton Wolves, but unfortunately his view was now somewhat limited. Once you develop a conscience, there's only so high up the big guns will let you get. Phil was still the best lead I had, and I trusted him. There was a chill in the air as I walked down to warehouse number three. It was fall, and it was cloudy and rainy, and everything was thoroughly miserable. Plus, it was shipped in. Forget werewolves running around, the whole place just wasn't safe. I walked quickly. It's about not looking like an easy target. Besides, what was going on in the other alleys wasn't my business. It wasn't my job to stop every crime in the world, just werewolves. I paused at the edge of the warehouse doorway and looked out towards the city. There was graffiti on the sides of the walls and the whole place stank of stale seawater and garbage. The city itself was an ugly thing. The skyline unwieldy and gray, with mean-looking concrete breaking up the view at random intervals. Disgusting place. It made the whole city look like rot. I turned my back on it and stepped inside. As much to turn away from the sight of the city in front of me as to get out of the cold and rain. Warehouse number three, full of forgotten waste rotting on shelves, echoed far into the darkness as I moved in. My steps were far louder than comfortable. The warehouse resented me and would not hide me. Shadows reached up far above the shipping containers and clutched at the turned-off lights. More than once I caught a whiff of death and rotting flesh from the piles of abandoned containers along one wall. No, I don't think that concerned me. With so little sun that day, despite the high-up windows, I was forced to rely on my lantern. In my right hand, I had one of my revolvers out of its holster. I wandered into a corner I could easily defend. Werewolves are fierce, so it was important I was able to get a bead on them. That's when I heard the howl. Something was hunting. The sound rolled over and through the vast space. The notes were beautiful, natural, and powerful. But then I knew what throat made the music. I knew its hunger. The bass notes bounced around the ceiling for a long while. I held my revolver in front of me, covering the angles. In theory, it's an instinctual reaction and by no means meant that other werewolves joined the hunt. In theory, werewolves are also pack animals. 
Packs, gangs, mafia organizations all come easy to them. When I was sure I wasn't going to be directly attacked, I headed towards the door only to find it closed behind me. Turned the handle a few times. Nothing. How is that possible? Who knows? Maybe some sort of magic? Maybe there's a chain around the handle. Either way, I'm now trapped. Old Tom would kill me for walking in here without securing a second escape route first, but I wanted out of the rain. A rookie mistake. I held out my lantern in front of me and took a few deep breaths, trying to remain calm. I decided to announce myself. Why not? What with the lantern, it wasn't like I was hiding anyway. This is Detective Sean Russo with the Paranormal Pinkerton Detectives. I am armed with silver bullets and I am ready to shoot to kill. I'd rather talk. Show yourself. In response, I heard laughter. Another hollow sound added to the warehouse echoes. I swung my lantern around, keeping my back to the wall, but I couldn't tell where it came from. A sibilant voice stage whispered, A Pinkerton detective? Here? This did not echo. Instead, it cut into my ears and slithered over my skin. It was definitely not Phil. And here I thought you guys were done for. I filed that away. Not quite, pal. We're still around and still dangerous, but there's no need for unpleasantness. I'm just here to talk to a friend. Dance card's taken. I keep office hours if you want to waltz in in a less dramatic moment. The theater kid in me will love it. Consider it a professional courtesy? The werewolf gave a barking sort of laugh in response. Ha! Talk! Listen here, detective. I don't know what you're doing here, but you aren't my prey. Get out while the getting is good. The door was locked and he didn't know about it. What do you mean you're not my prey? On a catwalk surrounding the upper floors of the warehouse, I saw him. The wolf. I can only see something like an outline, but he spoke to me in his human form. None of your business. Now scram. Believe me, wolf, I'd leave if I could. Unfortunately, the door is stuck shut, so looks like you and I are stuck with each other. The wolf growled in frustration. I don't have time for this. Sorry, detective, but you can't be in my way today. He turned towards me and started to transform. Even the shadows couldn't hide the horror of it. Werewolf transformations are hideous things, and very painful for the wolves themselves. But it's the price you pay for that power. Bones cracked and elongated, flesh writhing and twisting as the man above me turned into a massive beast. This was a big one. It wasn't even the full moon or nighttime, and he was still larger than an average wolf. I didn't waste my time. The rules for fighting werewolves are, don't. They don't have a rule book you can exploit like the Fae, and they aren't limited in their dealings with the physical world like the dead. Thankfully, Silver does the work the legends say it should. However, I'm not a good shot with my revolvers at several hundred feet across a warehouse, lights and catwalks in the way. So I ran for some sort, any sort of cover. The warehouse was mostly empty except for long rows of shelves that stretched nearly up to the ceiling and another two rows of metal storage containers. On the outer walls was a catwalk that stretched across the length of the building to allow crews to change the lights. 
The werewolf leapt down towards me from there, going all the way from the top catwalk to the ground and breaking his fall with a roll before coming to his feet and sprinting. I dropped the lantern. It just made me an easier target and it was slowing me down. I need to do something to stop this werewolf. I started sprinting through the shelves, diving through the empty gaps in an attempt to put some distance between the monster and me. I figured the werewolf would be too big to fit. Giving another howl, the wolf reared up on his hind legs and charged into the first shelf at full speed. With a mighty crash, the beast knocked the massive metal shelf to the ground. Like a playground game of dominoes, shelf after shelf fell to the ground with a bone-shattering crash, and I was in its path. I dove down between a set of old metal trunks and a set of crates. God willing, they'd hold. The dust thrown up by the shattered shelves hit everything, even as the titanic smashing continued. I heard the beast start to snort. Werewolf noses are good, but they're not magical noses that won't sneeze in a dust storm. The beasts are still flesh like me. Hungry, near-unkillable flesh. He roared and charged to where it knew I had been last. It ignored the falling debris. I changed tactics quickly. I knew the wolf could break through the wreck of the shelves with ease, but the smell might mask me and buy a little time. Dodging the next set of collapsing containers, I sprinted towards the containers where I had smelled the rot and hid, another shelf falling and nearly crushing my foot behind me as I scrambled to my feet, the booms rattling my bones and causing my ears to ring. I dove into the fourth of a row of ten storage containers, barely beyond the reach of the librarian's nightmare behind me. Sure enough, there was something dead in there with me. I tried to tell myself an animal must have gotten stuck, but I knew better. Dead bodies have a certain sort of smell you'll never forget, no matter how many times you try. Something like a combination of rotting flesh and feces mingled together in a grisly cologne. My animal brain screamed at me to get out! Danger here! I didn't stare into the empty eyes that reflected in the barest glimmer of light, but I felt the bloat give under my foot. I must have crushed one of the corpse's hands. I didn't have time to think about it. I couldn't. My plan had worked. The wolf slowed down outside of the first storage container and started sniffing. The lantern, safe near the door and catwalk stairs, was nowhere near him, and I couldn't make him out very well, but he wasn't far. I still didn't have much time. I reached for my first gun and cursed. I had dropped it while I was doing gymnastics on the shelves. Couldn't swat away the flies without giving myself away. Fumbled with my ankle holster for the second gun as the wolf walked closer. My heart was pounding as I heard the paws of the great piece coming closer with each step. I sat back against the wall of the storage container, trying not to breathe too loudly and trying not to think about the fate of the dead body beside me waiting to take my shot the second I saw the door move. I steadied my hands and nerves. I wouldn't go down easily. Claws scraped against the door. I blinked away sweat and fought down my rising gorge. This was going to be a literal shot in the dark. Or it would have been if someone else hadn't gotten a shot off first. The blast from the high-caliber weapon echoed through the empty warehouse, and the wolf in front of me howled in pain as he bounded away from the door. Through the open crack of the door, I saw blood spatter on the ground. The wolf roared in rage as he ran off. It wasn't a killing shot. I poked my head outside cautiously. This must have been the guy the werewolf had called Prey. 
He was standing on the catwalk and somehow had gotten a hold of my lantern. Terrence Marlowe, from before the server reset, always said that the best job in the organization was the werewolf hunter, and the worst was the werewolf bait. I couldn't see him very well, but the shooter was wearing a trench coat. Really narrows it down. He turned and faced me and I gulped, sticking my head back in, slamming the door shut behind me. A split second later, I heard the silver bullets ping on the outside of the metal door. Great. Someone else trying to kill me. Well, I was a paranormal Pinkerton detective, and I wasn't just going to stay here and let myself get hunted. Twice in one day. The werewolf was howling, and I heard the gun fire away, aiming at some point near the door. With a dash, I pushed my way out of the storage container, sprinting and ducking between the others to try and keep a low profile. For the moment, I didn't have to worry. I had turned mano y mano between the werewolf and the shooter. I had to hand it to the wolf. He was bleeding from his right hind leg like a stuck pig, but even slowed down, he was fast. The shooter, who I could see now had a bandana wrapped around his face to go with the trench coat, was gearing up for another shot at the charging wolf. His arm was an instant from getting a bead on the werewolf's head. This was my only chance. Despite the impressive ballsiness of the wolf, it was clear he wasn't going to be fast enough to stop a shot. The wolf had tried to kill me, but I was a detective. Besides, having another werewolf owe me a favor wouldn't be such a bad thing. If I can make the shot. This guy was not across the entire warehouse, hiding behind tall shelving and crates brushing the ceiling. No, there was just one swinging light between me and him. I took aim. The werewolf leapt at him, desperate to close the gap, get past the gun one microsecond from his heart. I fired. Four shots, then my gun misfired on the last two, but it was all I needed. I did old Tom proud with a center grouping, right in the chest. The shooter stumbled for a second, then dropped to the ground, dead. And that's when the wolf turns towards me, and I was out of tricks. My first gun was lying somewhere on the warehouse floor, and my second gun was useless. The wolf knew exactly where I was. There was nowhere to run. Like before, the wolf bounded down from the catwalk, though this time with a wince after he rolled to his feet, his legs still bleeding. Show off. As he walked towards me, he slowly transformed into a human, and stood in front of me half-transformed, huge teeth and sharp claws, but bipedal and able to speak. His face was human and not human, too long in the mouth and chin, too short in the eyes and too wide for the ears. We stared at each other for a moment, breathing heavily. But he spoke first. Thanks, detective. Don't mention it. It's all part of the job. The wolf barked a laugh. So you're willing to kill me, but if someone else does, you'll shoot them first. You Pinkertons have strange rules. I didn't respond to him. I don't think he needed it. All I can say for myself is that shooting someone who was trying to kill me and shooting someone trying to kill someone else is different from letting someone else get shot. You either get it or you don't. The wolf narrowed his eyes at me. You saved my life, detective, so you live for now, and I'll give you some information you might need. Are you here investigating the civilian maulings? The boss said you guys stick your snouts into anything, even wolf business. He thought for a moment. Well, there's a new power in play here in Shipton trying to challenge us. Mind control. 
walk down the street and suddenly any random civilian is an assassin with a silver dagger. Get why we're jumpier than normal? The werewolf chewed over something and then said, It feels like it's against the rules, Dig, but we can't do anything about it yet. I nodded. It made sense. And this guy... He's been taken down, brother wolves. I wanted to get him alone and take him down one-on-one. -on -one. The wolf was a human now and was wrapping something around his right leg, but he didn't take his eyes off me. You're walking into something big here, detective. With the shape your organization is in, I'm not so sure this is the best play for you. There was that dig against the Pinkertons again. There were only three of us posting reports to the server... I have a job to do. I'll be getting to the bottom of this one way or another. You can count on it. He laughed. Good luck with that, detective. I hope I never see you again. He turned to leave, but I stopped him. Hold up. What's your name? I didn't think he'd answer me, but after a pause, he surprised me. Paul Dupont. Now get out of here. Even the Shipton cops are liable to come looking eventually. I agreed with him, but I wasn't done quite yet. I still had a meeting with Phil. This time, though, I was going to wait outside of the warehouse. Rain or no rain. Thank God Almighty and all the saints of heaven that I had more ammunition on me. I had a lot of questions to ask Phil when he showed up. What was this mysterious mind control power? Who was it who locked the warehouse door behind me? Did they set me up intentionally? I didn't know, but I was going to find out. Sean Russo, signing off. For now. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a podcast distributed by Superversive Radio. Licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, international license. This episode was written and performed by Anthony Marchetta. Ben Wheeler edits, directs, produces, and herds cats. Ken Dickinson is our sound editor, audio editor. Visit us on Facebook, read articles on superversivesf.com, and wherever podcasts are distributed, you'll find us. Contact us through Twitter at Pinkerton's Ghosts, or email us at pinkertonsghosts at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.